You're listening to the Selling Energy Podcast, turbocharging the success of sales professionals around the world. Here's your host, Wall Street Journal bestselling author and award-winning sales trainer, Mark Jewell. Hypothesis-Based Selling You first learned to hypothesize or make educated guesses in grade school science class. Now it's time to reframe that blast from the past as a business tool. In hypothesis-based selling, the method championing the breakaway bestseller of the challenger sale, one's ability to predict the needs of a prospect's organization is a critical component to success. A hypothesis-based seller leads with ideas about what his prospect's organization needs. To put this method into practice, you need to do some homework. Research the organization's industry and history so that you can enter the meeting with several hypotheses on your prospect's challenges. In other words, your ideas on their needs. Focus on big picture outcomes rather than measurements or technical details at this stage. Next, reframe your hypotheses in the context of a bigger problem or an opportunity. Your unique insights into your prospect's challenges become your unique value in the eyes of that prospect. Hypothesis-based selling works because you are giving the prospect a new opportunity rather than focusing on a known problem. Don't ask a prospect what he or she needs and then explain how you will fulfill that need. Tell the prospect what he or she needs and then explain the unique value you bring to the opportunity. Are you focusing on the right benefits? Suppose you're targeting a large office building as you know has plans to do an efficiency upgrade. Chances are a lot of other salespeople are vying for the same job. So how do you set yourself apart from the competition? I can confidently say that most of your competitors are going to focus on the energy metrics. Saved kilowatts, saved kilowatt hours, saved therms, etc. And the most obvious financial impacts, the cost of the project, the utility cost savings, and perhaps utility rebates or incentives. Sure, people care about money. But utility cost financial savings alone are often not compelling enough to motivate a major change to the built environment. You can set yourself apart by highlighting the non-utility cost financial benefits, which are often an order of magnitude larger than the utility cost savings, as well as any non-financial benefits that are applicable. So what non-utility cost financial benefits might you emphasize? That depends on how well you know the business dynamics of your prospect's market segment and individual role. How might your project produce benefits that can be quantified and monetized? How well can you reframe your project's benefits so they can be measured with yardsticks your prospect is already using to gauge his or her success? Need some examples of non-utility cost financial benefits to focus on? How about these for starters? Improvement in worker productivity. Improved occupant health. Reduced absenteeism or presenteeism. What's presenteeism? It's showing up for work sick and maybe getting other people sick as well as working in a substandard fashion. Improved attraction or retention of employees or tenants. Realize that the above reference benefits are hardly hypothetical. There's plenty of empirical evidence supporting the connection between enhanced efficiency and every one of these benefits. These studies quantify and monetize the impacts in a wide variety of segments, including office, healthcare, education, and more. And by the way, once you've quantified and monetized the non-utility cost financial benefits, remember to consider all the non-financial benefits as well. Things like getting an Energy Star label, many of which actually wind up leaking value back into the non-utility cost financial benefits bucket. As just one example, no less than a half dozen recent studies have shown that Energy Star labeled office buildings enjoy higher base rents, increased occupancy, and higher resale value. So what you might have assumed to be a feel-good non-financial benefit may actually be a robust non-utility cost financial benefit instead. If you limit your conversation to utility cost financial benefits or technical specs like kilowatts, 
kilowatt hours and therms, get in line. Every other vendor has approached your prospect has talked about those same things. When you talk about higher order benefits, ones that are tailored to your prospect segment, industry, organization, and role, you'll have a far more interesting and compelling interaction and a much higher closing ratio to boot. Connecting the dots for a hot prospect. Before you meet with a decision maker, you need to do some behind-the-scenes research. You need to dig up any and all information that will help you connect the dots for your prospect. The following scenario proves that point. Jake, not his real name, was hoping to convince the owner of a local hotel to upgrade his air conditioning system, which was well past its useful life, but still operating thanks to a lot of unplanned maintenance and crossed fingers. The hotel in question was located in Central California, a place where temperatures soar in the summertime. Jake knew that the current AC system was no longer able to maintain design temperature in the hottest summer months. Both the hotel's engineer and the front desk manager had shared that several guests had each given them an earful lately on how their rooms were hotter than they had bargained for. The hotel was owned by an out-of-state investor who was so worried about the Central California economy that he had literally imposed a capital spending freeze on all of his assets there. Jake knew he needed to compile an inarguable case for upgrading the AC of this particular asset, something that would really shake the Etch-a-Sketch for this owner and draw him a new picture that would shake loose some capital. So what did Jake do? He first paid a visit to the hotel's night auditor. Why the night auditor? Because he's the person who has first-hand knowledge of how many rooms they had rented in the preceding days, weeks, and months. He's also the person who knows in which direction the average daily room rate has been trending over time. He has a keen understanding of the hotel's break-even point. Bottom line, the night auditor was Jake's ticket to understanding the impact that AC-related declines in occupancy might be having on this hotel's income statement. Jake approached the night auditor and explained, Listen, I'm working with the owner to evaluate some potential capital improvements to this property, and a question popped into my mind the other day that I bet you could help me out with. Have you noticed any trends in occupancy in this hotel over the last six months? Much to Jake's satisfaction, the night auditor shared with him that occupancy had been consistently falling over the last several months. Their monthly revenue was now nearly $40,000 lower than last year's monthly average. Jake then circled back with the front desk manager, a few local travel agents, and some other folks in the community. Guess what? The word on the street was that this hotel could no longer maintain design temperature in the hottest summer months. The locals now knew the property as the Hot Hotel, and by Hot Hotel they didn't mean the latest must-visit boutique property. Shortly thereafter, Jake called the owner and laid out the facts. You say that you don't want to spend $250,000 upgrading your AC? Well, guess what? Over the last several months, you've actually been paying for the system you refused to buy. When the owner replied, what are you talking about? Jake shared the details of his conversations with the night auditor, the front desk manager, and others in the community. He continued, over the last six months, you've probably lost a quarter of a million dollars in room nights, which happens to be the entire cost of the AC system I recommended to you last month, because the word on the street is that you can no longer control the temperature during the summer months. He continued, what do you think is going to happen when Hotels.com or Yelp picks up on the fact that your property is hot and not in the good sense? The locals already know, which is why you're seeing fewer people referring their own visitors to your property. What happens the next time one of those mystery shoppers from Hotels.com, dressed in a black leotard and white gloves, drops in for a summer night stay, and you get dinged a couple stars because your rooms aren't cool enough? Your $40,000 a month loss will get even larger. How low can your average occupancy sink? before all those lost room nights put you below break-even. You could lose your hotel to the bank if this trend worsens. Now, as you might imagine, these carefully assembled data points, presented in such a compelling manner, finally captured the owner's attention. 
He would have been crazy not to take action when presented the reality that room nights this property has been losing represented more than the debt service on a brand new AC system. Now it's all about having the insight and persistence to go behind the scenes and get tactical information that you can then communicate to the person who has the property to affect change. Even the most reluctant prospect can be turned into a buyer if you invest the time to research and connect the dots for that person. Cross-selling and upselling. Cross-selling and upselling are two great ways to increase revenue, add value for your customers, and in some circumstances, form partnerships with non-competitive vendors and service providers. So what's cross-selling? Adding an additional product or service to the sale that ideally not only increases your revenue, but also creates added value for your customer. In some cases, this involves partnering with a non-competitive vendor or service provider to deliver a valuable service that you do not offer. If you're selling LED lighting, for example, and the customer says, I need the LED lighting retrofit, but I'd also like a better way to know what, which lighting is energized at any given time. You could then turn around and say, well, we don't carry lighting controls. However, we do have an excellent source that we've used successfully for other projects. In fact, we could bundle the whole thing, my lights and their controls, in the same contract. Now, you can bring new business to a non-competitive partner and add value for your customer while saving them the headache of sourcing and hiring another vendor. Upselling is selling more expensive products or services that the customer did not originally intend to buy. The goal of upselling, of course, is to increase the income earned from the transaction, ideally while des delivering a more complex solution for your client. In many cases, you'll end up with a more satisfied customer because, assuming your products and services are priced fairly, the added value would be more than worth the extra cost. Here's an example of upselling that is a variation of the example above. Your customer, the landlord of an office building with 50 tenants, calls you and is interested in upgrading to an LED lighting system. After asking a series of targeted questions, you realize that the subject property is located in a demand response sensitive utility territory and that the lease form used by this landlord permits him to charge $25 per hour for after hours lighting. That's assuming he can track each tenant's extra hours of use. You recommend a more sophisticated lighting system than your customers initially requesting. Your solution would allow the building to dim its lighting during critical peak pricing periods for electricity and track each tenant's lighting usage, producing a report that would facilitate tenant billing for those allowable after-hours charges at the end of each month. Without a doubt, the system you are recommending is both more sophisticated and more expensive than what the customer had in mind when he first contacted you. However, it may be easy to justify the incremental cost given the powerful advantages provided by the better system. What's the urgency? Conveying the cost of delay is a well-worn sales technique. You can use rebate program expiration dates and other time-sensitive, cost-saving measures to your advantage. You have to be careful about selling on fear of price increases, though, because they can come off as high-pressure selling. Of course, if there are legitimate time constraints related to price, it's appropriate to emphasize the value of acting quickly. Sometimes the importance of acting swiftly is very impressive. Other times it's not. A few years ago, I was given a proposal to critique for a $300,000 lighting retrofit. The energy services company had used a standard report template that showed how much energy would be saved in kilowatts and kilowatt hours and which rebates the prospect was qualified to receive. The proposal also showed the carbon footprint reduction in terms of the equivalent number of cars that would be removed from area roadways by completing the retrofit. In some circles, facts and figures like these have the potential to motivate swift action. In this case, however, the salesperson failed to check the self-calculating Excel spreadsheet before printing it. 
The report basically said that if the prospect were to invest $300,000 in this project, it would be the greenhouse gas emissions equivalent of removing 0.94 cars from area roadways. You can just imagine what a jaded CFO might say after hearing, I want you to spend $300,000 in return for knowing that you removed the equivalent of 0.94 cars from area roadways. You might hear something as genuinely sardonic as, how about this? How about the board skips the lighting retrofit and gives me $100,000 instead? I promise to buy an all-electric Tesla with the money and lock my gas-guzzling sedan in my garage. That way, we'll remove the emissions of one whole car from area roadways instead of just 94% of a car, and our company can keep the other $200,000 in the corporate treasury. How about that? Would that work? I use this example to show that you have to be careful whenever you're conveying the urgency of acting now. Make sure that your facts are compelling enough to merit the risk that you're taking of coming off as a pushy salesperson who just wants to close the sale as quickly as possible. 